right, how are you guys doing today? <clears throat> let's get that out now. Uh, but let's try it again. How are we doing today? It doesn't sound too lively. So here's the thing. My name's Mitchell. I'm one of the youth pastors here. And when you're working with youth and you're speaking to youth, you need interaction because they lose focus. So I need you guys to be awake this morning. So are we awake? It's a little bit better. Can, you can shake it out a little bit. Let's, I mean, get excited. This is going to be fun. Uh, so it's Valentine's Day. Ladies, how many of you guys killed it this morning? All right. Sounds good. Pathetic. You guys are all pathetic. No, it is Valentine's Day. So we're, we're talking about love. Uh, and I think the issue that we have with love, the word, we're talking about the word love, not love in general, but the word love. The issue we have in our language is that we love a lot of things, right? So here's, this is your first, your first opportunity to interact. What are some things that we love? Pizza. I think I heard pizza twice at the same time. That's, what else? What else do we love? Coffee. Our kids. That's a good one. What else? What else do we love? Our spouses. Can't forget that one, especially today. Phones. Freedom. What else do we love? Parents? Time with God. There we go. See, now we're talking. All right, so we love all of these things, but we use the same word to love all of these things. Now, if I love my spouse the same way I love pizza, we might have an issue, right? That's, that's the issue we run into in our English language here. They're all used for this. The word love is used for all of those things, but it doesn't necessarily mean the same thing. So what we're going to do today is we're going to take a look at the different words for love in the Bible. Now, this is going to sound boring, but we're going to talk about Hebrew words and we're going to talk about Greek words. You're just going to have to bear with me. I promise it's going to be fun. So if we're looking at the Bible, the word love shows up, depending on the translation you're using, like King James Version, 310 times. New Living Translation, 898 times. So it's all over in the Bible, and it seems like the more modern we get, the more we try to translate the Bible into our current vernacular, the way that we talk now, the more love shows up. And that tells me that what we're doing with the word love is making it broader and broader and broader, and it incorporates all these, all these different things, and I think it loses its value. Because we say we love all these things, but we don't love them all the same way. So, first we're going to dive into Hebrew. How many of you enjoy Hebrew, by the way? Okay, I saw about two hands. That's great. Um, so the first word we see in Hebrew for love is ahava. Now, this is, this is used very broadly. It's used in a lot of different ways. It's the most prominent word for love in the, in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is all, is all written in Hebrew. But it's very broad. It, it can talk about your affection for your spouse, your kids, your parents, um, your love for just about anything, friendship, anything like that. It's, it's both an action and it's a feeling. That's the way ahava is portrayed. Then we have another, another word for love in the Old Testament. It's called chesed. Let's, let's turn you back. Ahava. I need you all to say that with me. Ahava. You're going to say all these words with me today. Ahava. The next word we have is chesed. Can you say that one? You really got to get the chesed. That's Hebrew. That's the way they spoke. Chesed. It's, uh, this is more of a loyal love. It kind of, combines, kind of combines the words love, generosity, and commitment. So it's more of a deep feeling, but it's more of an expression of who you are as a person 
rather than an act. So like when we're looking at the book of Ruth, if you've ever read through the book of Ruth, Ruth stays with Naomi even though she doesn't have to. It's an act of chesed. It's just an expression of who she is. She's devoted. She's committed. She's making that commitment. And it's, it's just an expression of her personality, her character. We also see this same word used when we, when we look at God's promise to Abraham to bless him and his descendants and, and to become a great nation. Um, the, next, the next word, actually, there's one more. If you've ever heard the, of Psalm 136, I'm not sure what that was. Uh, if you ever heard or read Psalm 136, it's every other word, his, his loving kindness endures forever or his steadfast love endures forever, every other line of that, of that psalm, that's chesed. So we're seeing God's expression of his character in this word love. Now we're going to jump into Greek. Now the first one we're going to talk about is agape. Okay, let's say it again, Agape. You've probably heard this one. If you've heard any of these words for love, any of these ancient uh, scriptural words for love, this is probably the one you've heard, agape. Agape is, again, in Greek, the one that's used the most. It's used over 100 times in the New Testament. Um, and, it's, and it's kind of like ahava, where it covers a lot of different things. But really, when we get down to it, it's, it's a servant love. It's a sacrificial love. And that's, this is the word we're going to be talking about for the majority of the time today. It's expressed in action. The next one, next one we have is phileo. Phileo, you can say it, come on. That's better. A phileo is a friendship. And it's more than just like, yeah, I know who you are, we're kind of acquaintance, acquaintances. No, it's a, it's a deep friendship. This is more of a feeling. When we're talking about how we fall in love with someone, this is usually phileo. That's the type of love we're talking about because it's a feeling. It's something that comes natural. You just have those people in your life, right, where you're just drawn to them. You don't really have to work at the relationship too much. It's just, it, just, it just comes natural to you. You're just, you're just friends with that person. Does that kind of make sense? It's, it's more of a feeling. It's the, the start of falling in love. The next one we have is storge. Storge. Okay, storge. So these, these three Greek words are found in the Bible. The next ones we're going to talk about aren't. Storge is the last one that's found in the Bible, and it's usually accompanied by phileo. So when we're looking at storge, it's family love. So it's taking that, that natural relationship that you have with your friends and deepening it a little bit, changing it a little bit to incorporate your family, the love that you have for your family. These next ones, like I said, are not in the Bible, but I think it's important to know them as we're going forward to figure out what type of love we're talking about when we read scripture. So the first one is ludus. Let's try again. Come on, you got to stay with me, guys. Ludus. Okay, ludus is a playful type of love. It's kind of like phileo where it's the friend, friendly kind of love, but it's, it's more surfacy. It's more of your acquaintances. It's flirty it's kind of it's just playful it's fun it's like the like the uh the time if you're sitting around with your friends and you're just like laughing uncontrollably you can't really help it it's just fun it's playful it's light it's easy that's ludus the next we have is eros 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 is sexual love passionate love it's fiery it's uncontrollable the greeks were scared of this word eros because it can consume you now, I don't know about you, but it is Valentine's Day. I plan on expressing my Eros love tonight. And I might not be now that I said that. 
But that's eros. That's the sexual, the passionate love that, that is there for us. The next one is pragma. Pragma. Pragma is this long-standing love. It's a mature type of love. It's your grandparents that have been married for 50 years. It's that kind of love right there where it's mature, it's developed. There's really not much that's going to shake it anymore. You've gone through enough. It, it's withstood trials and everything. It's that long-standing love, that pragma. And then the last one we have is philautia. Philautia. This is the love of the self. Now, there's two types of this. There's the unhealthy, the narcissism, where you're just all about yourself. You love yourself more than anything else, and that's all that exists. But then there's a healthy type, which is the self-compassion, where you, you're accepting of who, of who you are, and that can be portrayed out to others. Okay, that was the boring part, I promise. We're through all the Greek words, all the Hebrew words, but you notice how I didn't have a word in there. There's no love word for my love of pizza, right? The Greeks, the Hebrews would have used a completely different word in there. So when we're talking about love in, the, in scripture, in the Bible, we're not talking about that type of love, that surfacy, I like that thing, or it's enjoyable to me. We're not talking about that at all. That never shows up in scripture. So I want to start by diving in a little bit more into phileo. Phileo, this, this friendship love, because I think it's important for us to see how that is expressed from Jesus and how we are supposed to express that. So in 1 Corinthians 16, 22, it says, if anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. If anyone has no phileo for the Lord, this friendship, this deep friendship, let him be cursed. So this is telling me, this is Paul saying, you need to have this relationship, this friendship with Jesus, with Christ, or you're cursed, or like you're on the wrong path. You're not going the right way. We also see this same type of love when Jesus is interacting with Lazarus, the story of Lazarus, where Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick and dying and doesn't go, and then eventually goes, sees Lazarus dead, and he weeps. He, he weeps for Lazarus because he's, he's so in love with him as a friend that it just breaks him to see his friend dead. So that's an expression of, expression of love we see from Jesus. Now let's take that a little bit further into storge. Romans 12, 9 and 10 says, let your love, agape, love, be genuine. Hate evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love each other with brotherly affection. This is the phileo. Outdo one another in showing honor. That's phileo storge. So love, love, someone, love your neighbor, love everyone with brotherly affection, but then go so far as to make it family, to make them family. It's an aspect we see of God's love. Now I want to I transition here into agape. The word agape can mean so many things, but in it, at its core, it's a servant type of love. So I, I don't know about you, but if, if you've ever read through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, it gets pretty repetitive, pretty dull, right? There's all these laws, all these rules that we're supposed to follow. I'm really glad we don't have to follow them anymore because there's like, don't boil a goat in its mother's milk. I don't know. That doesn't apply to me. I don't know about you. But like, don't wear clothing of two different fabrics or don't eat bacon. 
don't eat owls or bats. They're just, there's these weird laws in there that if we had to follow today, some of them we'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever. But some of them we don't follow today, like the clothing one. We don't, we, a lot of our clothes now have multiple fabrics. But, so here's what happens. So there's, there's this time where these, these scribes, Pharisees, they're coming to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, what is, what is the greatest commandment in all the law? What is the greatest law? What is the number one law that we should be follow, following? And he responds to them, and he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So I'm reading this as I'm, as I'm kind of preparing for this love message. And my first question is, what does love mean here? So that sent me on a journey to, to figure out how these words were translated and how they got their meaning. So I wanted to bring you in on that journey with me. So first of all, Jesus is quoting here, he's quoting a couple different verses from the Old Testament. The first one is Deuteronomy 6, 5, and it's, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And in Leviticus, he's quoting, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So in both of these situations, the word that is spoken in Hebrew is ahava. It's that broad love that doesn't really narrow anything down. But in this time, even though the New Testament is written in Greek, Jesus would have been sp speaking Aramaic, which is kind of a cousin language. So the word there that he's really speaking is rachma. Can you say that one with me? Rachma. So the way that the disciples wrote this down, when they translated this into Greek and wrote it down, this was years later, but the way they translated this, this word agape love that they use here is from Jesus' teachings, from the way that he lived his life. So they're looking at him when he's using these words and how he's living to figure out what these words truly mean. And so the word that it's translated into is agape. So Jesus took this a little further in a... In a another message that he gave when he was doing his Sermon on the Mount, if you've heard about this. In Matthew, there's a section of scripture where it's the longest section we have of Jesus talking, and he's just kind of rapid-firing on a lot of different topics. And in Matthew 5, 43 to 45, he says, you have heard that it is said, you shall ahava your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, agape your enemy, enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Now, I want to I talk about that for a second because nowhere in the Old Testament does it say hate your enemy. There's nowhere in there where Jesus, Jesus isn't, isn't taking scripture here and flipping it. What he's doing is you've heard that it was said, love, love your neighbor, neighbor and hate your enemy. That was never said in scripture. It was said by some of these teachers who misinterpreted the ancient scripture, the Torah. So he's saying that the culmination of this love, the, the ultimate expression of love is not just loving the people that are easy to love, your family, your neighbors, but loving your enemies. It's the ones who 
you don't like. It's the ones who are out to get you. It's the ones who you feel like have wronged you. That's who he's saying you have to love. That's the ultimate expression of this agape love. What I think is interesting about when he's talking about agape anywhere in scripture is the word phileo is not anywhere close. It's not a friendship. So what God is saying is not make friends with the people you hate. Make friends with your, he's not saying that, he's saying agape, it's a sacrifice. Go out of your way to serve them. You don't have to be best friends. You're not gonna be best friends with everybody. You're not gonna have that deep friendship with everybody. But you do have to be nice. You do have to be caring. You do have to serve. That's what God's calling us to do. That's what Jesus is telling us to do here. So what does love look like? What does this agape love look like? I, th I think we have a very good example of what this agape love looks like. And it's probably a verse or a section of verses that you've heard several times. If you've ever been to a wedding, if you ever think about love, you've heard this verse. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. How many of us can say that we love everyone with that type of love? Not me. That's tough, guys. That is hard work I don't want to I don't want to love everyone with that type of love I don't want to do that but that's what God's calling us to do so how do we do this this is the next question I ask how how can we possibly love that way and it dug me deeper and deeper into the Old Testament in 1st John 4 20 it says we love because he first loved us we agape love because he first agape loved us. He first sacrificed for us. He first gave up things to serve us, to, to love us when it was hard. Because guys, we messed up everything. God created humanity perfect in the garden. First thing we do, we mess it up. There's one rule, we broke it. He started over, cast them out, gave them all these rules. We still messed up. That's, that's the story we see in the Bible over and over and over and over again. Is God loving his people, trying to set them apart. They mess up, they turn away, they go away from him. But he still persists. He still serves. He still sacrifices. And that's when we, that's when we see Jesus come in. Jesus came to earth as the ultimate loving action, the ultimate agape love action. He came to earth, he lived a perfect life, and he died so that we don't have to. So when we look back at, at this, this act of love, we, we also see right before this passage in 1 John where it says God is love. Love is God. God is love. He is. He embodies 
this love. So if we look back at 1 Corinthians, God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy or boast. He is not arrogant or rude. He does not insist on his own way. He is not irritable or resentful. He does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. God bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. God never ends. And to go back to probably the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his own son. He sent his own son to die. He so agape the world, he sent his own son to die. So that if we believe in him, if we accept that gift, if we accept that love, we don't have to die. We can live forever. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for this, this act that was not easy for you. God, I'm, I'm sure you didn't want to send your son to die. I'm sure you didn't want that to happen. Jesus, I know you did not want to come and die, but thank you for doing it anyways for us. Thank you for covering all of my mistakes, everything that I've done wrong. Thank you for making it possible for me to have a relationship with you so that I can experience that that love and, and just be filled with it to the point where I can't help but just share it with others. Jesus, you said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And it's not one before the other, it's the two in tandem. We can't do one without the other. Father, thank you for being that example. Thank you for being the, the one we can look to when it's hard, the one that we can look to when we're, when we're stuck and we don't want to love our enemy, when we just want to do the easy thing and not the right thing. We love you, Lord. Amen.